Welcome to the Sober and Happy Podcast, where we talk about all things recovery-related, how to navigate the challenges that we'll face along the way on our journey towards our best lives, and how we can go from living a life of simply just being sober to a life where we're both sober and happy. I often repeat the phrase, what you say matters, and that couldn't be more true when it comes to what we say about ourselves. You see, our beliefs about ourselves shape our reality. But often, especially when battling addiction, we carry limiting beliefs that could hold us back from achieving a life of sobriety and happiness. So how do we begin to recognize what beliefs are holding us back and how do we change the narrative of what we say to ourselves so that they could push us forward instead of holding us back? Well, that is what we're going to discuss today. So buckle up. This is going to be a great episode. Welcome back. So what are limiting self-beliefs? There are those sneaky thoughts that tell us that we're not good enough, that change is impossible, or that we're inherently flawed, and ultimately that we're not worthy. Not worthy of happiness and joy, not worthy of compassion, and definitely not worthy of love. I do not know one person who does not struggle with this, but in my experience, it is a lot more pronounced in people who are in recovery because most of us did not get here without making a lot of mistakes. And often, well-intentioned people in our lives who wanted to see us change may have pointed out most of those mistakes and may have made negative statements about the person who we were. I know I've had people tell me I was a loser, I wasn't living up to my potential, I was a bad person, I was a disappointment, and pretty much every variation of you are a piece of shit that you could think of. Even passive-aggressive statements like, I'm not saying you're a bad person, you just do a lot of bad things, still translated to, you are a bad person, because that confirmed my belief about myself. See, once we take ownership of these limiting self-beliefs, something called confirmation bias kicks in. If you're not familiar with the term, it is when we subconsciously look for evidence for something we believe is true. People don't like to be wrong, so we look for evidence that our belief is fact, even if that belief is a negative belief about ourselves. Many of these beliefs were given to us by other people when we were young, and we have carried them around our whole lives because we keep finding what we consider proof of their validity. When I was a kid, I struggled with math, something I later learned almost all kids do. But I distinctly remember at one point when I was struggling and getting really frustrated, one of my teachers told me, don't worry, not everyone's good at math. She might have been trying to console me because I was being so hard on myself, but that created the belief that I wasn't good at math. Although I don't remember the thought process of my young brain at the time, I am sure that I believed a teacher telling me this was the ultimate authority of judgment on who is good and who is not good at math. So if she said it, it must have been true. After that, every failed test and every math homework assignment I struggled with just validated that belief she planted in me that day. And it didn't stop there. There was a progress report that said I was not a good test taker. Another seed was planted. Not good at writing? Another seed. I loved drawing and I was excited when I got into middle school and was able to take art classes. I struggled with drawing faces and my art teacher told me, ah, not everybody's a born artist. Another seed planted. And then there was my high school freshman orientation. 
little backstory about my hometown. I grew up in a small town where there was a lot of addiction and not a lot of hope, especially when it came to education. I'm sure there was a lot of frustration and burnout from teachers and faculty, and it seemed to come through with the motivational speech from the principal on that first day of high school. We were all gathered on the bleachers, and he stepped up to the microphone and started with, look to the person on your left and the person to your right. One of the three of you is not going to graduate. All those seeds over the years that I wasn't good at school and wasn't ever going to be smart enough to do anything with my life fully sprouted that day, and I accepted that as fact. And every failed test or bad grade on an essay only validated those beliefs, even if there were good tests and grades also, because I was looking for proof of what now was a solidified belief, even if I didn't realize it. Here's the thing, though. Most of those beliefs were completely false. I got a bachelor's degree at 20 years old, so I wasn't bad at school. My current career is doing data analytics, and the amount of complicated math I do daily would not be possible for someone who is not good at math. I was even working a temp job at a brokerage firm, and God offered an opportunity to go through their brokerage training program to take the Series 7 and 63 exams to be a licensed stockbroker. These tests are five hours long combined. Most people who take these exams have finance degrees and it still has a 35% failure rate. I only took Finance 101 in college and didn't even understand some of the basic terms in the study guides. Yet, after two months of studying, I passed the test with flying colors. Now, in full disclosure, I still haven't figured out how to draw faces very well. So maybe I'm not going to be a portrait artist. However, I have rediscovered my love of drawing and realized that my skill level has nothing to do with my enjoyment of drawing. Now, I'm not telling you these accomplishments to brag. I'm doing it to show you that so many of the limiting self-beliefs that I carried around for so long were completely false. But I didn't simply discover them to be false one day and my belief system just magically changed. In fact, there are bits of proof along the way the whole time. I didn't fail every test I took. I love baseball and could rattle off and calculate baseball statistics off the top of my head when I was a kid, so there was proof all along that I was good with numbers. However, at the time, I was only seeing evidence that supported my limiting self-belief. For me, there was a few pivotal moments that started to change the belief. I enrolled in college simply because I wanted to escape my hometown. I didn't have good grades and didn't bother taking my SATs because I knew I was bad at tests, so my options were limited. But I found a tech school that would take me with just a high school diploma and a signature to apply for the student loans. I had very low expectations and honestly thought I would go to college, figure out it wasn't for me, but at least I would escape my hometown and would have more opportunities for a job in a bigger city. But then one of my high school teachers wrote something in my yearbook. I no longer have the yearbook, so I don't remember it word for word, but he was bluntly honest. He told me that I had shown zero ambition in high school and that that was the only reason I have not done better. He told me that I was smart enough not only to graduate college, but to do great in it. But if I continue to screw around like I did in high school, I would definitely fail. But he knew I had it in me and I just needed to dig deep to find it. Initially, it hurt my feelings a little because I only saw the parts where he said I had zero ambition, I screwed around a lot, and I was going to be a college dropout. That was my limiting self-beliefs talking and creating the confirmation bias. 
However, when I talked to him about what he wrote, he told me to read it again and look for the message in it. That is when I realized he was telling me I was smart enough, I was capable, and that he believed in me. A new seed was planted that day. And here's the interesting thing. Confirmation bias could drag us down, but it could also lift us up once our beliefs shift. And just as seeds of doubt can be planted in our belief system, seeds of encouragement can be also. I looked up to this teacher. His opinion held a lot of weight. So when he said he believed in me, a small piece of me believed in myself that day. Instead of noticing all the things that confirmed my past belief that I wasn't smart enough, I started noticing things that watered the new seed that Mr. Dizon planted that day. I clearly remember getting back my first statistics exam in college. This was a double whammy of passed out. It was math and it was a test. My stats professor handed it to me, looked at me and said, Someone is a natural at stats. I looked at the 98% grade written at the top and my first thought was, damn right I am. A positive seed was planting the bread motivation, which led to a positive result, which shifted my belief about myself and that created momentum. This is how change happens and we're all capable of change. I want you to think of something you really want in life. Maybe you've struggled with staying sober. Maybe you've been sober a while but still have that lingering doubt that it isn't going to last. You might even have a lot of sobriety time yet still are not where you want to be in life. What limiting self-belief is holding you back? Where did that seed first get planted? Are there people in your life who continue to water that seed of self-doubt? The original self-help guru Jim Rohn once said, We are the average of the five people we spend the most time around. It is hard enough to change our own limiting self-beliefs, but if we are surrounding ourselves with people who are creating and validating those beliefs, it could make it almost impossible. That is one of the reasons why I left AA. I was told I was powerless, that I'd always suffer from alcoholism, and it would be a daily battle for the rest of my life. Even when I felt confident about my sobriety, I was told that my confidence would lead me to a relapse. Most importantly, I was told that people who leave AA drink, and to drink is to die. I felt stuck and felt like there was more to sobriety than that. But the only sober people I knew validated those limiting self-beliefs, so they were strong. I would see people stop coming to meetings only to come back with stories about their relapses, which was the confirmation bias to that belief. But I didn't see all the people who left AA and still thrived because I didn't have a belief yet that that was possible. But then, just like Mr. Dizon in high school planted a seed, I was blessed to have a man whom I respected in the recovery world tell me that if I continued to work hard on growing and improving, that I would thrive in recovery no matter what path I decided to take. And he was right. And today I believe that completely. If you don't have people who lift you up and are your biggest cheerleaders in your life, even if they don't understand your dreams, go find your tribe of people who will support you. That is the biggest life hack you will ever discover. But today, I want to be that person for you. You are smart enough. You are strong enough. You are good enough. You deserve to achieve your dreams. You are not your past. You are more than your addictions. You are capable of so much more than you think. You are worthy of happiness, peace, joy, abundance, and most importantly, you are worthy of being loved. 
Thank you for listening to this episode, and I hope you're enjoying this podcast. This week, I want you to think of one person that you think will benefit from listening to this episode and send it to them. Be the person who plants a positive seed in someone else's life today. You never know how much it could impact them. New episodes come out each Friday, so I look forward to connecting with you next week. And as always, thank you so much for listening and keep living sober and happy.